Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben, and in today's episode, we are talking all about hiking and adventuring during the winter. It is a great time of year to go out and do that, but it does come with some challenges. We're going to be covering all of that in this episode. Before we do, we need to give thanks. Well, Happy New Year, Brian. Happy New Year, 2024. 2024, it is here. It is upon us. To everyone listening, Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you for an awesome year. And my thanks really comes in for a year of personal growth. Um, Last year, um, a lot of changes, just constant changing in, in my life, and, and I know Brian's as well, but um, the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, the highs and lows have been crazy, but I, I do believe that I've had some personal growth within that last year, and I am looking forward to, to this year. Um, I came across a quote, and that's what I want to share here. This is from Guta. <laughs> that's how you say it, but it's spelled G-O-E-T-H-E. The good old wise Guta. The old Guta. Um, but his quote is, you only see what you know. And when I read that the first time, I had to reread it again. You only see what you know. And I thought, man, that, that actually is one of the most powerful statements that I've heard in a long time. Because Brian and I, we talk about why don't people, like, let's say when Brian and I, when we go out in the outdoors, especially Brian, Brian will be like, oh, there's a squirrel or a hickory tree like how can brian identify those things when other people in the group be like i didn't even see that i didn't even know but it's because you only see what you know and the more that you spend that time to learn and gain that knowledge then the more you can see and not only is that in the outdoors that's with god's word i was just getting ready to say i'm i'm thinking about a relationship with with god right now as you say that like the more you get to know god and and the, the bible says the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. So to know something, to gain that knowledge, and the more knowledge you get, the more you're going to know the Lord. And the more you know the Lord, the more knowledge you get, vice versa. Man, that that is like a, a great summation of the relationship with the Creator. And all from that quote, that's, that's pretty powerful. No, it is. And, and I take it even, even farther into know the other side. You know, there are, there's a war going on, spiritual and physical and if you don't know the enemy either then you can't see it Mm -hmm. you can't see it and that's why i think even for this podcast here as as we talk about going in the outdoors the more that you know about the outdoors the more you can see yeah and it makes it even more fun It, it makes the experience even better and i think that goes for all things we've talked about well you know what just had another thought on that quote, and sorry to hang on this so long, but that is really good, and you hadn't shared that with me before this episode, so I'm going to spend a little time on it here, but we're in an election year now, and I'll be honest, I'm fearful. I am fearful for the way people are going to treat each other, the things they're going to say, the things they're going to physically do, uh, brother against brother, sister against sister. I am I am fearful, fearful of this election cycle for the way we are going to treat each other, but maybe if we all stopped and got to know the other side, we'd be able to see them a little better, have just a little bit more understanding, and then we maybe would eliminate some of this just downright hate. And to, to hate a 
brother is to murder them. And I'm fearful. And maybe we can all, ourselves included, Ben, just take an extra moment to get to know the other side and, and not necessarily that we're going to agree with them, but that we can see them as a person, as a human, as a brother or sister, and, and avoid some of those really bad feelings that we can have against people who oppose us. Yeah, and there may be people listening that are like, Brian, I don't agree with you. I don't I don't see that. I don't. And that's what I'm talking about. It's maybe because you don't know what's actually happening or what's taking place. And the more that we know and, and experience, the, the more you can see that. And, and then that provides an opportunity to either have personal reflection of you, your actions, or perhaps understanding someone else mm-hmm. and what they're doing a little bit better. So I, I'm going to try to, for this new year, um, really try to obtain more knowledge before, um, I know we shouldn't judge, but before seeing it only through my lens, trying to to understand and have the knowledge to be able to see the other side too. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean changing your stance on it. No, but, I don't have to agree with it either. Right. But I want to be able to know it. That's really good. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, typically you'll get deep and I'll be goofy with my thanks or vice versa. But yeah, today yeah. my thanks is kind of deep too. You know, over these holidays, um, friends, people in my church and life group um, and in my family, uh, there has been death. And what I want to say I'm thankful for today is death. Now, that seems like a kind of a, a crazy thing to say, but hang with me here for a moment. The reason I'm thankful for death is because we struggle with death. Death is never easy, and that's because it's unnatural. Death wasn't in the beginning. We have death because of sin. So it never becomes comfortable. We don't ever get used to it. It always makes these feelings and these thoughts come into our minds that we don't typically have on a day-to-day basis because it is unnatural. It isn't always, it wasn't always here, and it isn't always going to be here with the second coming of our Lord. But why I'm, I'm thankful for it in this particular season are the sobering reminders that come from death. It helps us to remember what is important and what isn't. And going through a holiday season, we can get so wrapped up in the travel and all of the food and all the busyness and what am I going to do to make this special for this person? And life is short. Like we are not here for very long. And if you look at the timeline of eternity, our time on earth is <laughs> just a little fragment of that. So what are you doing with your days? What are you doing with your month? What are you doing with your years? Uh, make sure that what you're doing with them is something that you are honoring God with. Make sure you are honoring God with your moments here on earth. Make sure that you are leaving a legacy. And when I say legacy, I'm not talking about a big bacon cow. I'm talking about sharing God's word with your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor's grandchildren, leaving a legacy to generations afterwards of real, actual truth, not destroying other people, but giving them hope at an eternal life. Now, fortunately, there's peace that can come from death too. And what I mean by that is if someone is a follower of Jesus Christ, when they do pass away, there is this peace knowing like they just got to go before the Father and hear, job well done, son, job well done, daughter. And that can almost make you smile. Yeah, you're going to miss those people. You're going to miss having them in the rest of your years on this earth. 
but knowing that they no longer have to deal with the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis and they're in the full presence of God, it'll make you smile if you really stop and think about it. Yeah, that's that's deeper than mine, for sure. <laughs> I'm the deepest. I'm the deepest, yeah. Um, you know, thinking about thinking about death, the wages of sin is death. That's why we're, I mean, we're that's what we're paid, and that's a hard concept to, mm-hmm. to get your mind around. But the freedom in once you are saved, that freedom and and that that lack of str- that I don't know, fear just doesn't hit me like that anymore of of my death. But I want to encourage those that still do have to live here, you know, that you have to continue on. And like Brian's saying, after you have given your life to Christ, there are other things that you can leave behind for your legacy. And that may just be that enrichment, that, that, that time that you're spending with people to encourage, to give knowledge to, you know, I mean, once, once you're a Christian, then it's seeking God and, and getting closer to him and it's building more and more relationship with the people around you and, and healthy relationship, you know? And so for those that aren't saved, yeah, that's why we're sharing the gospel. We, we, we want, we want you to experience that love. And for those that are saved, leave that legacy of, of continuing to, to build your family up and, and help them to grow, to be stewards of not only the outdoors, but of the things they own and and to better the people that they are around. You know, we were talking earlier about you only see what you know. If we don't teach our kids these truths, then they don't know them and they can't see them. And, and I fear that over the last several years that's been taking place and that's perhaps why we're at a moment in time where during this, this coming election it's more gross than it's ever been, mm-hmm. you know. So have hope in Jesus and then um, – once you are saved, continue that journey to leave a legacy for, for those behind you that they can have that, that foundation already set and they're not trying to reset after you leave like so they can continue to grow and, and be um, where they need to be. So, Well, I think one of the best ways to kind of accomplish what we're talking about, leaving a legacy, glorifying God, getting to know so that you can see, is spending time outdoors. And in the winter it can kind of become difficult to do that. It is more difficult to go outdoors. There aren't as many activities to go do outdoors. You're not going to go paddling necessarily when it's cold. You're not going to go swimming. People don't fish as much. We just don't do as much outdoors as an outdoors group of people across North America as we do in the warmer months. So in this episode, we are talking about winter hiking and exploring. And really the main reason for me that I want to talk about this topic is it is such a great time of year to do these activities. Just to get out and explore, it, it it seems like a broad thing to go say explore, but you really don't have a point of going out except to to be out, to be experiencing creation. And a lot of people overlook this opportunity just because it's winter. The why here is because hiking in the winter is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's it's beautiful. I I want people to experience that. It's there is a fear to go out. That's why it is easier to stay indoors with the fire going and watching the TV. It is. But I'm hoping that that you will consciously stop at some point and be like, we need to go out. Mm-hmm. We need to go experience this beauty, because there's nothing like the calm, 
quietness that happens while that snow begins to fall on the wilderness. And I'm talking, it is a, it's a hush. It is quiet and it's beautiful. And sometimes if the snow is thick enough, the snowflakes, if they're thick enough, you can, you can hear them falling and landing. It is just, it's a beautiful thing to experience. And I want everyone to experience that. But there's some things that we want to bring to your attention before you go out so that you can be prepared for, for that type of experience. And what we're talking about here today, obviously, is going to vary by geographic location a little bit. So I want to make clear, we're, we're mainly talking about areas that it does get cold. It gets below freezing. You are going to have some snow accumulation events but non-Arctic. We're not talking about areas where you have to dig through feet of snow. We're talking about temperate climates, temperate climates where you are going to have a full-on winter. You know, here where we live, we will have temperatures below zero. We'll usually have sometimes a week or two weeks of negative temperatures, Mm -hmm. and then vice versa. In the summer, we're going to have 100-plus degree Fahrenheit temperatures. So we, we get the full spectrum, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. So really most of the United States, um, except for those their southern areas that don't really get cold, but some of this will still apply to them, just minus the snow. Yeah, and we're not going to be talking about mountains as well. We're not talking about going out and hiking 14ers in the winter months. That's whole different ball game. It is a whole different ball yeah. game. It is awesome. If you want to experience it, then there's lots of resources out there. Reach out. We'll, we can have that discussion. But for this episode, we just really want to talk about um, these colder months with or without snow. Absolutely. So let's talk about reasons why we think it is so awesome to go hiking and adventuring in the winter. And my first reason is all the deciduous trees falls over. All the beautiful colors are gone. It's kind of bland and, and blah out there, but that unleashes its own beauty. All of these views, I, I mean, we're in the Ozark Mountains. There are views when you hike to some of these ridges that you can't see when the leaves on the trees, and they will absolutely take your breath away. Or you'll say things like, oh, I didn't realize that was that close over there. Or, yeah, oh, I have a house that close. Oh, there's a house? I never knew that (laughs) was there. Or, yeah, just really, maybe you didn't even know there was a ridge over there or there was a valley over there, and now you get to see all these different geographic features and you get more ideas and more inspiration to go explore over there. But there are some amazing views North Northwest Arkansas, down into North Central Arkansas, you start hiking some of those areas in the winter, and the views, I, it's hard to believe that they're even real. Like, it's not the Grand Canyon, but it's kind of actually pretty close. It's beautiful, yeah. Uh, my favorite, the, the reason why I love to go out this time of year is because there's no ticks, there's no chiggers. And the worst of all of them, the one that I hate the most, is the mosquito. Yeah, they gone. And they gone. And that's that is so awesome. It is it is so amazing to not have to think about preparing my clothing or or even any kind of insecticides, sprays, uh, lotions. Like we can just go. That is amazing. Like flies. We don't have to really worry about flies. Yeah. For the most part. So yeah. that is. Probably my number one reason for why going out now. Yeah, the there are so many. The the fear of all these tick borne diseases has increased so much in the recent years. There are more diseases are. and more people are getting them. Yep, and it's becoming prevalent enough now that we're starting to know people personally that are being impacted by them. So now I have ac- actual fear 
of ticks where I didn't used to have. I, I don't actually fear the tick being on me. It doesn't gross me out. I don't care about the bite. I just pick it off. Who cares? You got a little itchy spot. But having a real illness from this little tiny parasite that can affect you for years and years or even the rest of your life, that does that does put fear into me. And being able to throw that out and just go explore and enjoy creation with that fear not in the back of my mind, I love it. It is a great, yeah, great no, part about winter. It absolutely is. You know, there are other creatures that at this time of year um, that some people fear, fear like <laughs> crazy how much they fear some of these animals. Um, they're not out as, as much. And, and Are you talking about snakes? Yes. yes. You know, snakes would be one. Um, you know what, Brian, explain to us a little bit about snakes, maybe even bears, or is it bears that, that may or may not be out? But um, Well, for us, we can have warm days in the winter that are warm enough that you may see a snake, you may see a bear. If you're digging in a place a snake lives, a wood pile, a rock pile, yeah, let's give you an example. There, see a snake. There are people that have been bit by copperheads in January, February, March, right. because they're in their wood piles. When they go to, to get their wood to bring in, um, those snakes are in there. Mm-hmm. And so they're not just snoozing like we do. Like I think people think maybe when animals sleep, they, they lay down and close their eyes and they deep dream. Right. You know? <laughs> That's people, people get this idea, the snakes are gone, the bears are gone, they're into, I'm going to quote unquote hibernation. Right. And it's like a light is turned off, and then in the spring, the light's going to get turned back on. Well, that, that isn't really truth. What they're truly doing is what's called torpor, and it's like a lighter hibernation. So they are still going to get out on warmer days and maybe seek out some food or go use the bathroom and do those type of things. It isn't a full-on hibernation where they are just in there all winter long. So if you are, I mean, for example, today we're recording this. It was 22 degrees this morning really cold. I mean, those are winter. Everything's frozen. Ponds have ice on them. Yeah. But today it's going to be 49 degrees. The mm-hmm. high's going to be 49. That You can be out hiking in just a sweatshirt when it's 49 degrees. Right. So you may get out on a, a gravel road or maybe even a, a rural blacktop road. You may get a snake out sunning, even though it was 22 degrees last night. So you do have to be weary of those things when you have those large temperature fluctuations like a lot of places in the U.S. have. Well, and and honestly, it goes back to the quote, now that you know that, you have an awareness, you, you may be able to see them now better. Yeah, and we're not, yeah, uh, and, and we're not trying to strike fear, we're just trying to give an awareness so that yeah, so that you don't slip up and, and dig through a wood pile thinking snakes are gone. I've heard people say that the snakes are gone. <laughs> no, they're still there. They're still there. They're just not quite as active as they would be in the warmer months. Something else that is just so awesome about winter hiking, um, and, and I don't want—I don't say this because I hate people, but I love nature so much. Sometimes I just want it to myself. But not as many people get out. There are fewer folks out on the trails, fewer folks out in the woods, and there are there are times you could go to busy state or national parks, and you feel like you're the only person that's ever been there because nobody's around. And that is just an, like a way, way high up on the list reason to go out in the winters because you get some of these beautiful places to yourself. Yeah, and, and thankfully we have, you know, uh, meteorologists that study the weather and can kind of give us an idea of what may come. Um, get out there as that first snow is falling. Like as you hear that it's going to be approaching, you'll be thinking about, man, I'd like to go hike this park in, in this area. 
you know, hiking in the snow is so different than just hiking your regular trails. And the, the landscape, once the snow is down, what it reveals and the stories that it starts like sharing and telling with you is unbelievable. I love it. I, I, I love that first snow when you feel like you're the only one out there and you begin to look around and you start seeing sign, sign from could be other humans or sign from animals that you didn't even realize were, were out and playing that day. One of my favorite things to do when we do get a snow, like intentionally playing, like, oh my gosh, we got this snow. I need to get out there is to go to some of my favorite places in some of our state forests or, or family land and go to some of my favorite places when I get there, I'm always blown away at, at what all the tracks and all the scat and little places where squirrels have sat in uh, husked walnuts and then you have little husk piles on top of the snow. I mean, it is a storybook. And if you go there without snow, you don't see any of that. So much so you would wonder if there's even an animal there. And then you go there when there's snow and it's like, oh my gosh, a, a bird and a squirrel crossed this path and a raccoon came through here. It looks like an older track. Maybe last night it melted and then froze. And you can you can see what nature is doing. And I don't know why that's just so enjoyable to me. <laughs> I don't know, but it is. It is, especially like you can see things from uh, even just when you talked about scat. Like you can see where an animal pees and and where it poops and, and why they're using that area there. I know like when deer bed down, you know, you can tell the difference between uh, if it's a doe or buck. Yeah. Um, just just from seeing where the, the urine and feces are at. Right. Deer are lazy. So in my mind, before I learned this, you would think, well, yeah, deer get up from their bedding area. They go, they go pee and then maybe they come back and lay down or lay down somewhere else. No. They will literally pee while they were laying down where they're at. Like, what? what is the point of them getting up? They're an animal. They literally just pee. Well, obviously, male and female parts are in different locations on the body, so the pee is in a different location in the bed. So you can tell, okay, bucks are starting to get back together, and this was a buck bedding area. And you can, for hunters, you can start to put some of this together, but... It tells a whole different story with with snow on the ground. Now, you don't have to have snow on the ground to go out and enjoy winter hiking in the views, but I'm telling you, if if you have the opportunity to go out to some of the, even the areas you like, it doesn't have to be exploring new. It's a whole different experience when the snow is, especially when it's falling, currently falling. <laughs> that falling is great. I do want to stress that we're talking about snow. We're not talking about sleet and ice. Right. Um, which we'll cover some of that, but we're talking about that, that gentle, calm, soft, white, fluffy, soft, white, fluffy snow. You know, the saying silence is deafening. Mm -hmm. I vividly remember the exact moment that I fully understood what that saying meant. I was a teenager and I'd heard that saying silence is deafening. I was down in Arkansas, uh, not too far from Ponca, near Ponca. And we were on some private land and we'd been out squirrel hunting. Well, we had went in for lunch and it continued to snow and got heavier and heavier. Well, we went out after lunch to, to continue squirrel hunting. We went into a different timber stand and we sat down. The snow had just stopped. It was white and fluffy. There was no wind. It was just dead calm. You couldn't hear a road, a bird. A, there was no sound. But what I experienced was like this almost deafening squeal or ringing 
And I looked at my, my friend and I said, do you hear that? And he's like, I, yeah, it's like a, a whistle or a squeal, but it was just because it was so silent. Our ears and our mind, the actual mechanical, physical parts are so used to actually having Filtering. sound. When yeah. you get into a true silent state, it is deafening. It was almost like this maddening. But I understood that saying in that moment. And if you don't go out into nature, super cold, snowy day, you're not going to get to experience that. Yeah. Uh, quick tangent. They do build rooms, these soundproof rooms that people can go in to experience that. And they literally like have to leave. It, it becomes maddening to them. They we have need to one get of those of for our podcast. We don't have to hear Ooh. the geese honking, the yeah. dogs barking kids, and all that. Kids stuff. crying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, there's truth to that. It is that's what I started this out saying. Like when you are out there after that first fall of that, like the as the snow comes down, as it's coming down, it's like it quiets everything. All the animals go hush, and it it is. It's beautiful. It's it's just amazing, man. One other thing that I really like, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of tie these two these two things together. The the first one being that the trails are not overgrown. I mean, if you're going out on a trail, a trail system, if you're using an app to find a trail, a lot of times in the spring, fall, they're still overgrown. There's a lot of vegetation, and some people don't like to walk through all that stuff. This time of year, it's pretty much all gone. There may still be a, a Smilax bush or something that's kind of encroaching on the trail, but for the most part, the trails are really clear, easy to find, and easy to follow. But the temperatures, because it is cooler... It is more enjoyable hiking for me than when it's warm. Even if it's like 65, 70 degrees out, you just get so stinking hot and sticky and sweaty. And this time of year, you can go out in just a pair of long pants, put on a nice pair of socks, and wear a hooded sweatshirt and be really, really comfortable and not sweat. Just be like a good, comfortable body temperature. And that is a, another bonus for winter hiking. Yeah, Brian, you were really just talking about like kind of trail conditions and and finding those areas that already have maybe established trails that's got some snow over them. Um, that is so fun to actually hike in that. However, when you start talking about trails, navigating through some of that, there are some, some risks to that. Just like there's risks to going out any time of year, there are some risks that we need to be watching out for um, during our cold months and, and when there's snow on the ground. So what, what you're telling me is winter hiking isn't, isn't all roses. There are some, some tough <laughs> things about it. Yes. I mean, in any beauty, there's going to be ugly. <laughs> yeah. Pros and cons. Pros yeah, and cons. the pros and cons. And so let's talk about a few of them. And, and because you were talking about the beauty of, of walking those trails, what's awesome is that when that snow falls, you can see animal tracks everywhere. And, and you can see where they're walking, where they're going. But that doesn't mean that that's the trail that you should be on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if you are going out to a, a any park, any park that has established trails, you really want to make sure that you know those trails before you before you go out with snow. Um, if it's just cold temperature, no snow, and, and you can see those established trails, well, then, then you're good. But yeah. once that snow falls on them, unless you know the area well, there is a chance that you could get off the trail, um, and get turned around and perhaps get lost. So really be cautious in the areas that you're going to in those wilderness areas that you've never explored. Um, go to those ones that are more familiar um, during this time of year. You know, I mentioned that the cooler temperatures are something that I love because 
you can just actually truly go out and be comfortable. You have the physical activity, you have the, the body movement going on, your body's putting out heat, but the temperatures are cool. So you're not sweating a whole lot, but moisture is so dangerous mm-hmm. because of the cooler temperatures. So you really have to monitor your sweating. You know, when it is cold out and I'm going hunting, deer hunting, I'm going to sit in a blind or a stand, I only wear my first layer there and I have everything else in my backpack. And I actually get up there and allow myself to cool down and then start to put those layers on because I don't want to sweat. Because once I sweat and I have that moisture in my clothes and on my body, I get cold. And if you were to stay or get stuck out there unexpectedly and you were wet, it can kill you. Yes. Let's let's say, I think I should cover it real quick. Chilly, cold, and frozen. Maybe kind of those three, three forms there. When it's chilly... You know, Brian keeps talking about you could just put on a, a sweatshirt and go out and hike because as you're as you're walking, um, your body is going to to warm up. But once it starts getting cold, then you want to start having a few layers that you can take off and on. And then when it's we're talking frozen, anything below freezing, you want to have multi layers. Mm-hmm. And you know there are, there is a process to to dressing for all of that. Uh, I'm not going to cover all of it because it gets it gets pretty thorough. I mean, there's there's quite a bit when it gets below freezing. There's quite a bit that you want to to cover and protect. But in these winter months, when Brian's talking about, um, you know, we're in the 22 degrees and now we're going to be up into 50, you want to be able to remove some layers. Um, you don't want to sweat as you are hiking and walking and exploring. And if you are planning on camping or planning on stopping for a while for a lunch. Uh, you want to make for sure that you're removing those layers. You want to keep your body from getting too hot and sweating within your warm layers. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the snow, obviously you may have snow accumulating on you and getting wet. You may slip and fall in, into a creek or water. If you do get wet, please take it serious. Hypothermia is like the number one killer, especially here in the Ozarks in the outdoors. And it can happen so fast in these conditions. It can be 45 degrees out and you can go from hiking, borderline sweating, feeling good, just wearing a long sleeve t-shirt or or a hoodie. And next thing you know, you're wet and there's a breeze and you can start dropping your body temperature. And now you're, you're really in a, a, kind of a life or death situation because that is how people end up dying and and not really even knowing what's happening to them. Can you kind of explain some of those warning signs of what we call hypothermia? Yeah, I think that's the the risk and danger here of what what I'm really bringing up here is that this time of year people will go out hopefully not in shorts. You know, when we run to Walmart and it's this type of work, it's 22 at night and and 45 to 50 of the day, I still see guys wearing shorts to Walmart. But <laughs> with boots and socks, <laughs> with boots and socks. Yeah, they're not wearing flip flops anymore. They're but, on the people of Walmart page. But perhaps it is those people that think, you know what? It's nice enough for me to wear shorts and a sweatshirt. I'm going to go do that. The risk in that is that if for some reason you don't make it back from the wilderness, from that trail, from that park before it, it starts getting dark and those cool temps start coming in again, now you're getting into some of those risks, right? Mm-hmm. Then also we don't think about our bodies sweating. If you have way too many cl- layers on or you wore one big huge jacket and you, there's layers you can't remove, if you're hiking, uh, strenuous hiking or, or walking fast, you will start sweating in that. And, and that can start lowering your body temperature as well, right? 
or the risk of perhaps falling into a stream, um, slipping and falling, and, and it doesn't have to be a deep stream. It can be a, a small creek that... A puddle. A puddle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anytime that your body is wet and we have colder temperatures, and especially if there's a breeze, any of that wind. And so we really, we really want to watch out for hypothermia. You know, hypothermia, that is the rapid cooling of your body. The hyperthermia is your body heating up too fast. And so on the hypothermia side, you know, we're going to say that everyone's body's at 98 degrees. Now, we're all different. You know, COVID actually helped me to realize as, as we, Brian and I had to uh, make for sure all of our staff took their temperature before they started their shift. What a nightmare. It was crazy. <laughs> but you know what? Most of the readings that I was pulling off people was 97, yeah. 97.7. Yeah. Like maybe it was that thermometer, but I'm telling you, we bought, we had multiple, but most body, like it was coming in at 97.7. And I'm like, well, maybe we got it wrong a long time ago when we said 98.6. However, whatever your normal, you know, uh, resting body temperature is. Hopefully it's between high 97 and, and high 98. That's, there you go. That's where there we go. That's be. right. Yeah. So let's just start at 98 degrees. Um, that's what your body's going to try to keep. That's That's what it's trying to stay at. And so anytime that your body temperature really drops to that 95, 95 to 91, your body is going to be absolutely shivering. So when you when you start dropping from 98 and you're coming down from 98.6, basically, you will start, your body has a mechanism that begins to start shivering to try to heat itself up. And in doing so, if you don't take those precautions and, and start getting out of whatever it is, maybe for in the water or you're in that cold wind or you don't even have a coat on or you don't have pants, you have shorts on, right? So, so shivering is our first sign. Shivering is your first. We all shiver. Think right. about when you start getting cold, it's the first thing you do. But if your body temperature continues to drop within that shivering, now we start getting scarier and scarier to where your parts of your body start not doing what it's supposed to be doing. What I mean by that is that you can have difficulty in speaking, your thoughts start getting jumbled up, you're having a hard time with memory, like, you know, I, I came in on this trail or did I come in on this trail? Your body starts doing things that it normally wouldn't do in a normal, we call it homeostasis, but yeah. at your normal 98 degrees. And so from there, you need to have an awareness of, am I in the stages of hypothermia? You know, we've seen our kids before when I take them out and just play in the snow, we're, we're sledding. My kids, when they start getting cold, they begin to shiver. And sometimes their lips will get a little blue. I'm not talking hypothermia blue, but you can tell they're, they're starting to get cold. And in that, I know that I need to get them out of those adverse conditions, whatever they are. They need to get out and in a shelter and to get warm again. And so if you can't get out, how you can test for hypothermia, if you're starting to begin in the stages of that, is can you take your index finger and your thumb, grab whatever zipper you have on you, whether it be your coat maybe a zipper on your pants, maybe a pocket of your coat. If you're not able to zip that up, then you need to go seek shelter. You need to get out of those conditions, period. Immediately. Immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get going because you are, your body temp is continuing to drop and drop and drop because once your body starts getting into 91 degrees, so from 91 to around 86, now we're in like severe, like some crazy hypothermia. Your, your muscles start to tense up. You can't function. That's why you wouldn't even be able to to zip your zipper. 
that's 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 like evac. We we have to get them out. People can still kind of walk during that time, which is what's scary is because they can't think straight now. They're rigid. Their their muscles are so tense and rigid they can't really move other than walking. And this is when people start making the worst decisions because they're walking off their trail. They're walking away from where they should be. They're not walking back to their vehicle because they can't think straight and they're walking, right? And that's super dangerous. But lastly, though, not lastly, because you can go all the way to, to unconsciousness, but you can get in the stages of your body starting to to shut down and, and some failure as you drop below 86 degrees. And so when you're way up there, when you're at 98 and you start, start dropping into that 95, don't wait. Get out of the elements, get warmed up so that you can go back out again and, and have a safe, fun outdoor experience. Other things to look out for while you're out there so that you avoid getting wet, avoid even getting into a hypothermic situation is knowing that there there's going to probably be some ice. If you are in these colder temperatures where it's either the highs are below 32 or uh, even... Yeah, I mean, cold is going to be from 32 degrees to 50. Right. And, and 50 is cold. Right. 50 is enough to have a wind chill that can lead to hypothermia. Absolutely. So that that's your... I mean, just because you're in the Ozarks, well, anywhere... North America, when the temps are 50 degrees, we should still treat that as cold, especially mm-hmm. knowing that once the sun goes down, it's it, going to get colder. It's going to get colder. Right. Right. And, and temperatures can change and fluctuate so much. And, and some areas here in North America are just frigid all day long. We have those moments. January and February can be pretty rough for us here in the Ozarks. Watch out for things that you normally wouldn't have to consider when you're hiking, like ice. It, it could just be a, a rock that is wet. If it looks wet or shiny, that could be black ice, and you don't want to slip and fall and get hurt or get wet and have to deal with a hypothermic situation. When people come to water crossings, whether it's ponds, creeks, rivers, ice can be so dangerous. People will have this confidence in something that they saw on on YouTube or, or a movie that they can walk across it or some tactic they had for building a, a sled out of down limbs and getting across it. Ice is dangerous, and if you don't know what you're doing, especially if it's a type of moving water like a creek or a river, find a different way to go because if you fall in that, you may never get out, and people make a lot of mistakes with ice, so really just try to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, that's rapid. Um, You can go from 98 to 86 in a hurry. You know, I mean, that's just a rapid temp drop. Um, You know, when when it happens that fast... I mean, the stages of hypothermia are, are, are quick, right? And and I, it's basically when we said below 90 degrees, there are parts of your body that begin to, to slow, like your heartbeat, it's slower. I mean, things start really starting to kind of shut down at that point. It is so dangerous. And so if you're going to take that risk, if for some reason you have to, make sure that your buddy, make sure you're taking someone with you. Don't, don't always go out by yourself in, mm-hmm. in some of these situations. Well, our list of, of, we'll call it cons, is pretty short. I have one more to share. Uh, But really just some overall awareness can really help you avoid most of these cons for winter hiking. And and I guess that's the good news in this situation. But the last one I want to share is if you are going out hiking and adventuring in snowy conditions, there is accumulated snow on the ground, do know it is going to be more difficult. If you're going to hike a trail that you usually do eight miles on, well, you're going to use a lot more effort and energy to do eight miles on it in the snow than you would without. So 
maybe you need to have the awareness of your physical condition. Must. If you have a knee injury or you're like me and you've gained those holiday pounds, maybe you should be aware to not bite off more than you can chew because that can also become a safety risk. So what weigh, weigh that, weigh the conditions, weigh the weather, weigh how much snow was on the ground and, and pick and choose where you go, who you take with you and how long you're going to stay out there based on those those conditions. Yeah, well, that's, that is smart. Your physical conditioning is important. Um, if you want to go out and sp- experience what we're talking about, it doesn't have to be the wilderness. There are state parks, city parks. You know, they have been manicured all year long. And so once that snow hits those parks, you're pretty in pretty good shape. You it know? covers the sidewalks. You don't even know they're there. That's right. They're, yeah. they're gone. <laughs> but you can still see animals. You can still see the tracks in the snow. Yeah. You can still find those things. You can still absolutely experience some of the things you that we're can. talking about. You can. And then if, if you are in, in a healthier physical condition, um, then go hit those trails through your you know your wilderness areas, your forests, and, and go try them out. And you don't have to go very far into the wilderness or into the bush, as they call it in the bushcraft world. You don't have to go very far in to experience a lot of what we're talking about. So um, hike in, you know, Really pay attention to what your body's telling you. If you're starting to sweat a lot and you can't co- and you can't keep from sweating, then turn around and start heading back. Yeah, just absolutely. The basics. All right. There's more good news. We already had a longer list of good news than yeah. bad. Yeah. Things to look out for. I want to share some other kind of I'll call them subsidiary benefits of going out and adventuring in the wintertime. And one is, if you've listened to the podcast, you know Ben and I are hunters. We love to hunt. I'm super passionate about hunting. This is such an amazing time to get out and scout. You are going to see trails and tracks and scat. Plus there's no leaves on the trees. You're going to have these huge vantage points. You're going to learn so much about the animals that you pursue during hunting season outside of hunting season, just by going out and being and experiencing the areas that they live. It is an amazing time to scout really for all species of animals that Mm -hmm. are, that are considered game species. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, one that you actually, you and I got to go hunt together and during the snow, it was incredible. You were, you were able to teach me some things about deer that I hadn't learned yet. And one of them being where deer travel, right? And in this travel, you know, you've always said, hey, we're, you know, deer want to cross with the least yeah, resistance. Path, path of least the resistance. The path of least yeah. resistance, right. And I've always understood that. Like, that makes sense. I get it. I have seen where deer hair has been hung up in a barbed wire fence where they went through it instead of jumping over it. So I didn't understand it until the one day we were hunting. And there was an area in the barbed wire fence that was cut. But because that snow was on the ground, I could physically see where these deer were walking. And they had walked along the entire stretch of this barbed wire fence, at least 100 yards and because the barbed wire fence, uh, the barbed wire fence was cut. That's where they were entering in, and you would see few tracks along the fence, and then all of a sudden you saw like a highway, a highway, yeah. and it was that highway that it, it didn't really click until I got to see those prints in that snow that that was a true highway, and that majority of them were using that gap instead of going through or jumping over. You mentioned the tracks in the snow. It is really a great skill for any outdoorsman, whether you're, you're just like to camp, hike, hunt. If you want to increase your woodsmanship, going out in the snow and learning to identify tracks and scat, 
they're so visible. You get, you're going to get to see a lot more than if you're going out outside of the snow. It is a great time to take maybe a field guide and go out and compare your field guide to all these tracks that you're seeing. It is like university. It's better than any university you're going to experience to actually go out and see the ones that these animals are leaving behind. Not only that, but like Ben's talking about, you're going to start tying information to where you are finding them mm-hmm. as well as what they look like. You talked you talked about taking out some information for like to, to use on the trail. And I know we're still talking about hunting here, but anytime that you go out, if you can have a reason to go out and hike, it makes it more fun, especially for me. I I like to go out and have a reason to go out and hike than just to say I'm going hiking. And there are so many resources out there, but you can also learn how to identify trees when it's wintertime. You know, when they lose their leaves, it is so much harder. Matter of fact, I lean on Brian a lot. I'll be like, I think I know what this tree is. And I'll say it. I'm like, Hey, am I right here? And he'll, it takes him a few minutes, but he's like, ah, nope, that it, it. It's more difficult for me in the winter. Yeah. In undergrad, woody plant taxonomy was a class we had to take for my, my biology degree. And it is only offered in the fall semester. And you only go out and do your field work after all of the leaves are off the trees. So you have to learn to identify them without the leaves. And I, they do that because you need to know more of the characteristics of the tree than just the leaves. Right. And it is more difficult when the leaves aren't on there. And sometimes I have to kind of, all the colors and hues of everything are a lot more similar. And so you kind of have to really stop. It takes me a few extra minutes than it usually would in the spring. Yeah. And why that's important here when we're talking about hunting is because you can start piecing together the story of why are these deer using this area as a highway why are they walking by these trees and not these 20 feet away, you know? And when you learn that in the wintertime, and then when you go back into the the early fall, when we have not only leaves on the trees, but acorns are falling, you can start putting that story together yeah. of, well, there's perhaps still a food source here because this is an oak tree. And yeah. so take those resources, take those guides with you, learn as much as you can on these on these hikes. I've used that word woodsmanship a few times, but that that I don't really know what else to call it. That, that's what it is. Going out into the winter really helps to to build your woodsmanship. So if you are passionate about being in the outdoors, you are going to be a better outdoorsman just by going out and spending time in the winter. You want to take it to the next level, do like Ben's saying, and, and have an agenda, have it a goal and objective, a reason for going out there. Maybe it's learning animal tracks. If you are not even a hunter or fisherman, you're not looking for new areas to hunt or fish, you just like to camp and hike. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to go out and scout for that. You may find a new area and and you're like, holy cow, I am coming back in the spring and I'm bringing all my friends and we are hiking in here and camping. You might find the next like generational campsite that you come for the next 20 years right, every right. spring with your buddies just because you went out and spent a little time in the winter and, and found a new spot. Perfect time because you get to see more. Sometimes you can actually hike further because it's not as hot. You don't have all the, the ticks and chiggers and all that. Great time to get out and just find new places for other times of the year. Yeah, and, and you talked about camping. Um, be cautious in winter camping if you're not familiar with it. If you don't know what you, you need to have, then don't go, don't do it until you, you do your research and, and really figure it out. Because, you know, I would even say go try car camping in the winter months. But be cautious in that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, where we live here in the Midwest 
we don't always get snow. We get ice, we get sleet, and then, yeah, we could have several inches of snow. Right. And just because you're in your vehicle, that doesn't mean that your vehicle can drive out from some of these some of these campsites back home. So you may need uh, to take some extra supplies in case you have to stay a few more nights. Right. But hiking in and camping in the winter months, man, there is nothing like it. And if you are in a position of, of knowledge and understanding, then definitely go do it. Um, it, <laughs> you know, you have to take into account freezing temps, right? So you have to make sure you're getting the correct equipment that's going to keep you safe. But then also you, things that people don't think about, like, will my water freeze tonight? I've been on some trips where we've been camping and, and they completely left all their water sitting outside. They woke up to no drinkable water, right? Right. And so one tip is, is even if you're going to go out hike and you're in, in those below freezing conditions, keep your water bottle under your jacket, on your jacket, you know, up against you somewhere, it will keep your water from, from freezing. I have had in my backpack, my camel back freeze before. Uh I've had it get all slushy and icy on me. It doesn't come through the straw well. So a a good tip for that is to maybe take an extra, extra one or, or take a smaller one that you can keep in like inside your coat and keep that water on your body so it doesn't freeze. But that has happened to me on on a late season deer hunt. One time it was 10 degrees, 10 degrees out and we were hunting and in my pack, my water was frozen. Yeah. I couldn't get it to to come through my, my straw. I mean, real winter camping is a, is, is longer than even honestly one podcast because you even you have to start looking at the energy you're burning you have to take more food you also have to be cautious in how you're purifying your water some of the purification tablets have to be at a certain temperature before they really take effect and so if it's all below freezing or right above some of that might not even work and so you there's just a lot more to plan and prepare for in camping but hiking it's a little easier just to go out for a day hike is so much easier to do on a day hike absolutely ben honestly that there just isn't as much to do this time of year. Like we we've been through the holidays, we we've traveled. You kind of get into this January and February lull, and it's like, well, deer season's ended. Fishing is it's cold to fish. My guides freeze on my rod. There's just not as much to do. Going out for a hiking adventure, you don't have to spend a whole bunch of money on gear. Typically, most people don't have to drive more than thirty minutes to get to a place to hike. It is just a great thing. Grab some family and friends, meet them out there, and just go spend some time together in creation. And that is a benefit of it is it is one of the things you can actually go do in the winter. Now, me saying there's not a whole lot to do, somebody's argument to that may be, well, so what? Well, Just sit around and rest up. I was going to say there, there could be an argument in that. Um, there are a lot of things to do. Like you could even move into the world of ice fishing. Right. If you wanted to fish, you could learn the techniques of ice fishing, or you could still go do it. I think last year we did a a winter outdoor activity episode where we went through a whole list of them. There is a lot to do. I just want to challenge like that word of nothing to do in this moment because there's tons to do. However, it makes everything you do. I'm talking about it is these colder months. The weather, just the cold itself makes things more difficult and so you want to plan more time you want to have more time you don't want to be trying to rush Um, you want to prepare before you go and and do a lot of these things or maybe those things cost more money like for instance duck hunting you 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 got to have waders and a boat and shotguns and decoys and dogs and blind it costs a lot of money to get into that 
hiking it doesn't cost a whole lot. If you have proper right. clothes and a good pair of shoes, you can go out and experience hiking. It, it it's it, it is accessible. It's very accessible during the wintertime. It is. You know, once once you have all that equipment though, then it's it is more accessible to go do all those things. Right. But it is getting started in a lot of these outdoor activities in the winter months. It's it's tough. It's it's hard to be able to oh here's an example. Waders. You know, I want a warm, insulated pair of waders if I'm going to go stand in the water. And so that alone is expensive, not even talking about all the other stuff. So, you know, if you're wanting to get into these other activities during these months, then you could start buying throughout the year and planning and preparing for it. Mm -hmm. And you would have a lot to do and you would have just as much fun. But on the cheap side, something easy, simple, when you're sitting at home thinking, man, I need some vitamin D, you can get outside and, and do a hike. Ben, across the country, when it gets winter time and there is not as much green, there isn't as much time for people to spend outdoors because the daylight hours are shorter, The sometimes the cold is intense and it really just isn't safe to be outside, depression rates actually increase in the wintertime. And one way to combat that is one, to be physically active, and two, to be outdoors. So if you can combine those two things with a hike or an adventure, you're going to get that vitamin D that you're talking about, which brings all kinds of benefits to your to your bones and your immune system. Of course, there's always more sickness going around this time of year, so you want to get that vitamin D. But if you really, and I truly, truly believe this, if you want to be a healthier person physically and mentally, go for a hike outdoors in the winter. You will be a healthier person if you can plan it consistently to do once a week or maybe once or twice a month, you are going to overall be a healthier person for yourself, for your family. Then you're going to start encouraging other people to come see come see why you're getting these benefits. And you could honestly influence a group of people just by picking up this habit of going and adventuring during the winter. You know, it reminds me of, of being out in the winter months. And when you're out just hiking, exploring, when you get back to the house, you are more hungry than you've ever been <laughs> all year. You know, you burn so much more energy. And so if you're looking to, to you know, everyone's, their New Year's resolution is usually working out or losing weight. This is an awesome opportunity to burn more energy mm-hmm. by getting outdoors. Now, Ben, are there any special gear considerations that, that people should think about when going out in the winter? Yeah, just Real quick, a few things that you can prepare before you go out and just do a little day hike out in these winter months. First thing is location. Know where you're going before you go. Know what to expect. Tell somebody. Then tell somebody where you're going. Absolutely. There have been so many stories of people getting lost during these months and no one be able to find them. That's just nonsense. Tell somebody where you're going. Then you got to start thinking about what am I taking with me? So make sure that you have shelter, water, food, and fire. Something with you that can help to provide for those four things. You know, something as simple as taking a tarp could be your shelter. But in this case, when we talk about the winter months, it is the correct clothing. Make for sure that you are layering up. Pride, ego can kill anyone. So take some extra clothes, even if you're a shorts wearer and it's 55 degrees, Take some layers with you that you can always put on. I always say take one more layer than you think you need. You don't have to wear it, but take you a day pack and have that in your day pack. Take Absolutely. one more than you think you need. A lot of times you'll end up 
using it. Yeah. Make sure you get a good pair of hiking boots. Most of the time, hiking boots is enough for what you're going to need here in the Ozarks. But here's the tip. Once you hit six inches of snow, six inches, you need to be probably be moving from hiking boots into some snowshoes. And snowshoes can be applied to the bottom of your boots. At six inches, trekking and walking can become difficult in, in really any region that you're at. So anything greater than six inches, really start thinking about, I need better traction. I need some snowshoes to take along. Next is water. Remember we talked about it earlier, whatever you're taking in with you, you don't want it to freeze on you. So make sure that you keep your water liquid. Food, we eat more, but man, just throw in some granola bars. Throw in, I mean, you could throw in a little little picnic bag to stop in your hike and, and eat some lunch somewhere, but take some Snickers bars, granola bars, something that can give you that, that energy to push through to get back at the end. And, and again, fire. Um, we love ferro rods. If all you have is a lighter, throw it in with you. In the event that you had to stay there overnight, you're going to need some warmth. So take something with you. Those are really good tips, Ben. I think overall, listening to this episode, I think what people are probably taking is that it's really pretty and that you can see and experience snow and, and true quiet. And there's other benefits like getting exercise and, and just spending time with family and friends. But I think what people are probably really taking away and, and honestly the message we're trying to convey is that it is beautiful mm-hmm. and you need to go experience. We keep saying nature, but what we truly believe is, is creation, that that God the Father created it. He created you. He created me. He created all of that out there for us to enjoy. And I don't think there is anything more beautiful, more artistic than creation. And I want to turn to God's word to, to back up what I'm saying here. Maybe I'm trying to back up God's word. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> God, God's word is our foundation, and I want to share that. This is Matthew chapter 6. And we are in verse 28 and 29. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. When I read that, I just think like Solomon was this rich king who had everything. He could have been wearing golden encrusted robes. Yet Jesus is telling him, that lily out there in the field, do you see how beautiful that is? There is nothing more beautiful than creation. Go out and look at creation. We love in this world, we love going to fancy resorts and fa- fancy restaurants and getting the best clothes and the best shoes and the best vehicles and having 10 screens on everything and, and heated and cooled seats in our cars. We love all that stuff. But it fails and pales in comparison to nature, to God's creation. So get out and see real beauty. Lastly, it's a new year. I want to encourage everyone to find time to get outdoors. Try to at least get outdoors one time during each of our seasons. If that's... If that's all you can do, and that's all you can do, but find time to get out one time during spring, one time during summer, one time during fall, and one time during winter, you will benefit in many ways. And and take friends, take family along with you when you go. And if you can plan more than that, then plan more of that. But 
I just try to spend more time this year than last year outdoors. And, and we think that mentally and physically you will see the benefits of that and it'll probably leak over into your family and friends. If there's any way that we can help you at Meant to Be Outdoors, do that. If you have questions, if it's just answering some questions to help put some fears aside for you so that you'll be more encouraged to go out, please, please reach out to us. m2beoutdoors at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram. Follow along on those pages. You can direct message us on there as well. You know, we have a goal for this new year. We want to double the amount of reviews and listeners on our podcast. So if you have not, if you are a listener and you have not, please do us the favor of leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen. Hit this download and subscribe button so that you get every new episode. If you can think of someone in your life that might benefit from some of the things we're sharing or they may just enjoy it or they have some time where they need a podcast to listen to, please share the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast with them. We have a new episode every week. We'll be back with a brand new one next week. We hope that between now and that time, you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.